Welcome to Some Context Please, a podcast from the team at Foundry Creative School designed to connect what you're learning to what's actually happening in the real world. Whether you're an active Foundry student listening to this within your course or you've just joined us for the journey, my hope is to give you an insider look into specific areas of the creative industries from an industry perspective. I'm your host, Adam Grieve, and this season I'll be joined by a range of industry leaders as we dive into photography. Over the course of eight episodes, we'll touch on everything from gear, understanding light and exposure and self-expression, through to career and how to get a start in the industry. In our first episode for this season, we look at understanding what photography is all about, whether we need all the gear to get started, and expressing yourself through the shots you take. I enjoyed this discussion because it sets up a nice basis for our future exploration into topics around self-expression and noting that photography isn't just about expensive gear. So let me introduce you to my first industry guest for this season, Andrew Byrne, who I've personally worked with on multiple advertising campaigns in recent years. He's a very busy man, but I was lucky enough to nail down a couple of sessions with him where we chatted about his experience starting in photography and how he approaches shooting images after nearly 20 years in the game. Uh, So my name's Andrew Byrne. Um, and I've been a professional photographer for about 20 years. Um, I mainly uh, concentrate uh, on product photography, um, mm-hmm. interspersed with um, some commercial and corporate photography. We caught up early one Saturday morning for our first conversation. Andrew's based in Sydney and I was in Melbourne, so we were talking over Zoom. If you listen closely enough, you might hear the odd ferry horn on Sydney Harbour, the joys of not recording in the studio. A few minutes into our conversation, it dawned on me that having worked with Andrew for quite a few times over the years now, I'd never actually asked him about his interest in photography and why he became a photographer in the first place. Yeah, I first got into photography many years ago. It was a hobby and what piqued my interest was um, uh, I saw a scene while I was travelling overseas and um, I took a photo with a very basic camera. and when I got home and processed the film, it was nothing like what I saw. Uh, and from that moment on, I basically said to myself, I need to be able to represent what I see through the camera. So yeah. that started that journey. And uh, it would have been probably five years after that moment. I, I started working as a, a, a professional's assistant and basically I, I didn't do a course, but um, I basically learnt as an apprentice, so to speak. It was interesting to me that an image that didn't turn out was Andrew's basis for getting into photography. This seemed opposite to why many other people do, so I wanted to know more. It wasn't my first photo, but it was mm. It was definitely a photo. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a beautiful scene. I, I walked past this doorway in Nepal in a very small town up high in the Himalayas, uh, and inside this empty front room was just a chair on a 45 degree angle with a silver bowl in it and some apples and a okay. single light coming down over the top of it. I thought, wow, that is just, that's a beautiful photo. I'll take that. But of course my flash front lit it and everything yeah. else inside was dark. Yeah. Um, and it was not the beautifully ambient lit room that I was seeing towards the end of a the day. There's no, there's no created doubt. Such a beautiful mood. <laughs> there's no doubt back in the day that the excitement of going to the uh, chemist back in those days and picking up um, a whole lot of uh, all your camera, all, the, all your photos and just how many you'd always expect to not turn out because you weren't a professional photographer or you didn't know how to take yeah. a shot and you're just hoping no, I that expected them all out. to take it. I expected them all to turn out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the realisation when they did. Yeah, right. Um, that's the sobering reality. And I was like, okay, my skills definitely need to be upgraded. 
Andrew mentioned that the camera he used for the shot was very basic and not anything special. There's certainly no reason he couldn't have captured the shot he wanted with a little more know-how. Photography can be a tech lover's paradise with no end of gizmos attracting people into the field. But also there's a popular belief that to take amazing shots you need an expensive camera with loads of features. This led me to ask him a much bigger question about his opinion on what photography is all about and what the main elements governing exposure are that new photographers need to get a handle on. I'll talk briefly about gear. Gear is a very Australian thing. Now, I've worked over the world and I work with many photographers overseas um, who didn't own gear. They basically owned a camera and some lenses and they hired everything. This thing about owning gear, it's very, I, I found it's very Australian. It was, it was more of an economic sense for Australian photographers. We have a small market here. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to save costs in the long run, whereas overseas, the, the pay rates were a lot bigger and the cost of hiring was absolutely minuscule compared yeah. to how you're getting paid. So the, 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 the beauty of it was you didn't have to own this gear and carry it all around. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, first I'll distill it, I think, into one sentence. Um, it's basically conveying what you're trying to express into an image Um, and whether that be your own expression or a client's expression um, photography is about getting that expression onto into an image I won't say film anymore it used to be film Mm. but now yeah it's just coming out as an image and photography is utilizing all the skills available to convey that message Um, there are three so that's probably four main functions um that make up exposure. Um, there's the obvious ones of aperture and shutter speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is also ISO. Yeah. Um, what uh, ISO, for, for those who don't fully understand, um, was a rating given to certain films mm-hmm. back in the day, uh, and they still do it today, sorry. But um, it was just basically the, the film's sensitivity towards light. Um, so some films don't require as much light to um, produce an image as others do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, there's a balance between quality. Um, and the fourth one is probably your lens um, and how good the lenses are because lenses do make a difference. Mm. Um, well, the, and it, it would have been a lot more evident in the past when um, film and just SLRs were used to produce imagery mm. um, because you could definitely tell through quality of lens. Differences in quality of images yeah. um, would have been represented by a lens as well. So there's four main, I believe, four main um, items. And then obviously there's light itself. So, yeah, you have to be able to control that. What type of camera, you know, now that you've moved on from that time earlier, um, back in the earlier days, what type of camera are you using these days to for all of your professional shot and shot shooting? Uh, I utilize a Canon 5D mm-hmm. um, and the last iteration I have that is the Mark IV. Yeah. So was there any um, particular reason why you, you've gone for it? So to, just to explain to everybody, a Canon 5D is a DSLR camera, which is um, digital single reflex, uh, single yes. lens reflex. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's um, correct, yeah. Yeah, which most professionals seem to use these days. There's also been a range of mirrorless cameras brought out, Um uh, which remove the necessity for the mirror or the um, the reflex action, which is inside, you know, then it just becomes about yes. the shutter. Yeah. Um, 
obviously you've got a DSLR. Is there any reason why you choose a DSLR over a mirrorless camera? Um, or, you know, even going back, you know, as a professional, why would you use a DSLR over a compact camera or even your phone? Actually, at the time, a, a lot of my friends who were also photographers were shooting on Canon as well. Mm. So it was actually the ability to be able to borrow lenses off people. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm on this platform, I can actually uh, utilize someone else's lenses. But aside from that, it was a good platform, the Canon platform. Um, it was fairly easy to understand. I learned off a lot of professionals who were using that platform. And yeah, basically um, it was something that I got used to. And um, I never found any uh, real issue. Um, I like the feel of a DLSR in my hand. I think I got used to that by um, when I started out in photography, that that's Mm. how you held a camera. Um, So I continued to that. And it was probably a comfort thing, you know. Um, And I know cameras these days, you know, a lot of the time you'll view a screen on the back. So it was actually still looking through a viewfinder. Mm. Um, I know you can still do that, but um, yeah. So yeah, that's probably why I chose that that platform. Do you think sort of at that time DSLRs were just the way to go? Were they the only option for professionals back then? Or you know, if with the range of you know, say Sony has bought out you know a whole lot of professional mirrorless style cameras, would you think you'd still go brand orientated because you really like Canon? Or, I mean, that was a really good point you brought up that, you know, a lot of your friends who are photographers were using different lenses and you're at, you know, Canons and that meant you were able to borrow lenses off each other and swap a bit of gear. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't actually thought of that myself. So that sounds like um, a really good reason to have gone that way. But, you know, starting out again, do you think that you would use that approach or you'd go for something smaller? Because the DSLR is a very big camera compared to the mirrorless cameras. They are a bit larger. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it it used to have its benefits as well. Like being large wasn't, it it, it was cumbersome, but also if you're hand holding something, it's a lot harder to shake something that's heavier than um, Mm. a light camera. So you know, the downside to those was those mechanisms were only rated for so many um, frames. And when you became, when you come into digital, um, there is a, a process where you actually shoot a lot more. Mm. Um, so that, for, that, that that mechanism is getting severely stressed and it does wear out and, yeah. you know, yeah. you can get that replaced. But um, so mirrorless is aiming, I suppose, to take that function away mm. or take that issue away. Yeah. Um, and I've explored it to some levels and my friends have moved on to it. And I would say my next camera would, do, would definitely be mirrorless. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and there's still options for looking through a viewfinder. So I still get to feel like I'm an old-fashioned photographer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm not averse to the mirrorless. Um, the, it was the only thing was, um, I would need to explore is the, um, the ability for shutter speed. Um, and how the sensor refreshes or how quickly it refreshes. Mm. And that would be if you're shooting sport um, or if you're shooting um, rapid fly flash motions. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, yeah, those are the things that I'd be thinking about now. Yeah, actually, and I'll just add, so, yeah, there are are a lot more options for cross-using lenses as well. The mirror, the the cameras these days have become fairly universally appealing in that sense because, you know, you can still use old lenses um, there's plenty of companies out there that are producing adapting rings okay. um, that can attach. So, mm. yeah. The idea that we need a DSLR to take a good photo was still bugging me a bit. Obviously, smartphones don't have the controls, especially in regard to aperture and depth of field or controlling the shutter speed. 
However, a simple search on the internet proves there are lots of photographers, especially those working within social media, shooting some great images. I continued to pursue the idea with Andrew, who admits that there are some advantages to photography with a smartphone as a beginner. Yes, with a smartphone, definitely. Um, photography is not about, in the end, it's about the camera, but it starts in your head. Mm. Um, and there's lots of ways that you can utilise a smartphone purely for composition. Mm. Um, um, they're very handy to come around. Um, it's just about, um, you know, if you're wanting to achieve certain attributes, um, Mm. But yeah, the cameras, the cameras within smartphones these days have some abilities in them that some DSLRs uh, five years ago couldn't achieve. Yeah, okay. Um, maybe That's even some point. DSLRs in these days because mm. they have multiple lenses on them at the same time. Yeah. And DSLRs can't compete with that. No. DSLRs can 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 only take a photo of something in a certain focal range, whereas the iPhones these days everything can be sharp from you know thirty centimeters in front of you right up to three yeah. kilometers away so yeah. um that has its advantages um it's not always great to have everything in in, uh, yeah. in, in yeah in focus so mm. but that does seem to be the way a lot of stuff is consumed these days um but yeah it's it's very important for people to understand that you don't need all the gear straight away you know that that, that can come um you know it's it's nice to be able to have some gear um to play with mm. um when you're out on your own um, but if you're just getting started, yeah, it's about composition and it's about how you frame what mm. your subject is. So you talked a little minute ago about some lenses um, and uh, how they can be interchangeable. Um, you can swap them with friends with your DSLR, all those sort of things. Um, as a professional uh, these days, you probably have a few. What are your go-to lenses, you know, and for what purpose? And how many do you have? Um. I've had I, I have about six, um, and yes, I would love a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> they are beautiful things. Yeah. Nice polished glass, um, um, and their their function is and design is is quite beautiful. Um, my favourite lens is probably a one hundred mil macro. Yeah, um, I, I use that a lot for product. Yeah. Um, so for those who, those who don't know, what's a macro lens and what's it specialise in? Macro lens actually specifies uh, in close-up photography. Um, mm -hmm. It allows you to get close to a subject. And so like, has, uh, I've seen lots of photos for close-up of, you know, nature and things like that. So small animals yeah. and insects and things like that. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. it, can ha it can have a very um, narrow frame, um, focal range, um, mm. which is good for isolating small small items. Say you're doing an outdoor model shoot or, or something, what sort of lens would you use then? Um, an outdoor model shoot. Uh, I could use a hundred mil if I was far enough back because I, mm -hmm. I do love I do love the lens. Um, but um, probably an 85 mil prime okay. lens would be so, uh, ideal. Um, what's a prime lens? So a prime lens has a fixed focal length as opposed to a zoom uh, lens which can range for instance, um, Canon has um, 16 to 35, mm. 24 to 70 and 70 to 200, where they're just their main ones that they've been selling over the years. Mm. Um, but yeah, prime lens has a fixed focal length and generally the quality of the, of the glass is a little bit better in those lenses because um, they can spend more money on the actual parts of the lens that deal with just accuracy mm. as opposed to um, the zoom function. So. Mm. 
Nearing the end of our conversation, I turned back to the idea that while as a technical process photography is about controlling light, can it be more a form of expression for the photographer? In particular, I was really interested in where, after so long in the game, Andrew found his inspiration, and whether he still takes time out to shoot subjects he likes for himself, as opposed to just shooting client work. So you would have an idea. I think what, we, what when, when you have a, a subject, um, it, it's good to take a moment just to imagine how you envisage that, you know, like what, everyone would catch themselves saying, you know, walking past something beautiful or, mm. or a scene that makes them, um, I would quite often be walking along, you know, anywhere and an angle would from a building or something would take my eye and I go like, wow, that, 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 that would really work in a, in a certain frame. And, I was, mm. and I'd start to think, okay, well, what, how would I capture this image? You know, like, um, do you sort of, now that you're a professional photographer and you're always doing that, do you ever have the chance to get out there and do some uncommissioned work for yourself, you know, just some stuff to, that inspires you and, and things that you do, you know? Absolutely. You, when you're walking down the street and you say, you know, some of the best inspiration is that you see a particular angle or you see, you know, something framed in your eyes and you just want to shoot it. Absolutely, yes. Mm. So we all get into photography for a reason and it's normally because we become inspired by certain things. Um, and so, yeah, wherever I am, be it um, in rural settings um, or urban, I particularly like shooting at night. Mm -hmm. um, I loved long exposures um, mm. and also the ranges of saturation that colours and light can give you at that time of day. Mm. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely important for, um, for your inspiration is to, to find those um, pieces outside of work. Mm. um and um i have a and people as well obviously my i have a young child mm. and she gives me no end of um <laughs> inspiration to keep shooting yeah i've been lucky <laughs> um, enough to see a few of those shots as she's been growing up yeah and you really showcase your daughter well <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> it's certainly nice to know that andrew finds inspiration from the world around him and still enjoys shooting subjects he finds unique and interesting for himself you certainly don't have to travel as far as nepal to do it either when some of the most inspiring subjects can be found right under your nose. And that's all for this episode. If you liked what you heard, reach out to Andrew on his socials and show your appreciation. Next episode, Andrew and I will continue our discussion where we'll move on to composition, how to control shutter speed and aperture, as well as capturing movement in your photography. Until then, thanks for listening and see you next time. Some Context Please is produced by Foundry and myself, Adam Greve. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can find Foundry on Instagram at myfoundrylife. Foundry is an Australian creative school designed to bridge the gap between education and industry. We work with top creative leaders from all creative disciplines to design courses that help you find your passion and turn it into your career. To find out more about Foundry's current courses and upcoming intakes, visit foundry.com.au.